Welcome to the Victoria Anarchist Book Fair's week of podcasts and performances featuring local, national, and international activists and authors. The Book Fair Collective and From Embers have teamed up this year to release presentations over our podcast platform that can't be held in person due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Recordings of these voices of resistance were conducted on unceded Indigenous territories across so-called British Columbia and beyond. For more information about the book fair and a full schedule of online events, you can check out victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca. Listeners in the Victoria region are encouraged to visit Camus Books at camus.ca for anarchist publications and more. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining today's podcast. In this episode, we will hear from Kim, grassroots activist, anarchist, and lived experience frontline supporter of the homeless community on the Kwangan territories, namely in so-called Victoria, British Columbia. We spoke about how the COVID-19 pandemic increased the difficulties unhoused people face, how the homeless community and their supporters responded to the new challenges, and about the even greater importance of grassroots support and mutual aid in these times. The following conversation took place in the spring of 2020, short, shortly after the BC government declared a provincial health emergency and the repercussions of the global pandemic began to dramatically impact our lives on the Kwangan territories. For the many, living in tents or sheltering on the streets, this means a high risk of exposure to the novel virus due to a, la due to a lack of access to food, sanitation and medical services. And even worse, as more and more restrictions came into place, big service providers, such as our place in Victoria, had to temporarily close their doors or limit their services. As if this was not enough, in May, the BC government ordered the eviction of three major tent sites. In Vancouver, Oppenheimer Park and the downtown east side, and in Victoria, Topaz Park, as well as Pandora Avenue. These evictions and the rapid pace of this provincial top-down decampment and housing plan caused immense harm to the community, reinforced trauma and left many worse off than before. While grassroots supporters, such as the Indigenous Harm Reduction Team, the Lived Experience of Homeless Network, Leon, or the Sasquatch Clan Patrols, have accelerated and sustained their support over the last month, the city of Victoria and the provincial government have only proven their inability to provide adequate help. More people have been forcefully evicted from tent sites, most recently at Centennial Square, and also at Beacon Hill Park, a sanctioned tent site with precarious status, harassment by police and malicious neighbors has been a sad constant. In the name of the Anarchist Book Fair Collective, I want to thank him for sharing his views and experiences and letting us know what's happening on the streets. Please visit victoriaanarchistbookfair.ca 
for more podcasts, resources and ways to support. Kim, can you maybe introduce yourself and say a few words about what your connection to the homeless community here is? Cool, thank you. Um, I just want to first say thank you for asking me to do this interview. Um, and uh, we're in the Laguangan Masonic speaking territories. I believe it's Songhees where we are exactly right now. We were just talking about it. Um, and we're at the Dead Zone, which has the uh, Mason Graves in it. Um, and uh, I, yeah, we're in a pandemic and um, I'm someone who has lived experience of homeless and I'm someone who worked the front lines. So I was pretty quick on the precautions and pretty quick to look and see what was going down on Pandora to try and understand what was going down where most of the homeless are, where they were anyways when the pandemic struck. There was already tents on Pandora. Um, suddenly the gates were locked at our place one day and that was because they had to for our health uh, you know uh, guides uh, provincial and uh, stuff around the pandemic and for days uh, the people who were locked out were in you would imagine some duress um, there and there was more and more of them gathering and putting up tents pretty quickly as they were hearing news of pandemic as people Uh, I mean, we were physical distancing, but social distancing is what was being talked about at the beginning. And then it changed to physical distancing because we are already experiencing horrible social stigma and social distancing in Canada as indigenous, as poor, as people who are different, as people who say no to, you know, the system. So there the pandemic hits and people are suddenly locked out of these service providers that are normally there for them including, I understand, clinics and things. And things were happening very quickly. And I noticed quickly that the, the, the sort of communication wasn't as quick to all of the homeless. And I noticed very quickly that uh, all of the uh, service providers, etc., were not coordinating. There, there, there was no coordination. No one was able, for some reason, to take on the task of coordination because of the systemic walls in place. What was amazing is all the people who were everywhere helping each other. And I was quickly introduced to a, a hashtag mutual aid, hashtag community care. And I found out it came from grassroots anarchist communities. And it had already been already taken off uh, around the pandemic to help get needs met for people. And in Victoria, um, myself and a friend of mine, Maeve, uh, uh, basically began to, you know, hear the needs that were going on and articulate them onto the COVID-19 community support site here that we had the local one for Lekwungen. Um And people were able to uh, respond to them and here's how it happened. So I went out there and saw the, the discombobulated, uncoordinated people running off their feet trying to help. Like everybody was running off their feet trying to help. And uh, it was harsh to not see the empowerment and enablement of 
of uh, sort of those on the ground who were actually doing particular things. They weren't getting enough enab- to be enabled more. They needed that. There, there was no help for them to coordinate. Everybody was just doing the best they could within their own little, you know, uh, service provider. And even the Greater Victoria Coalition and Homelessness seemed to have been handcuffed and only been able to do certain things. So that was weird. Um, and on the ground, there, the people on the ground who were locked out suddenly did not have bathrooms, suddenly did not have uh, a shower or whatever outside of, the, you know, the Pandora area. The, the, the homeless had been there, that family, for a long time, who've used those services for a long time. And uh, they, we heard that uh, for the longest time, our place wasn't prepared for people to go in and shower. And of course, now it's been a couple, three weeks, and I hear some are getting in to shower. And, uh, uh, but we still have many people who are homeless. Like, think about the fact that during the homeless count, the last one I heard was 2,000. For um, Victoria. And, for Victoria. Yeah. And uh, um, where are all they? Well, I know a lot of them have gone into hiding. A lot of them have hid out. They're lying low. Uh, they have concerns. They need support. They need outreach. They need uh, information about the pandemic. Um, they don't trust the government for good reason. You know? So there's some people rebelling against certain precautionary... Like, we're asking people to wash your hands um, and just be more precaution. The reason why we don't want to overwhelm the health system. We are in a pandemic. It is a fact. And yes, certain right-wing, neoconservative and fascist, dictatorial-type fucking governments are taking advantage of a pandemic. And you got to just look to the difference between what Ontario has done versus what BC has done. And we are in a, a problem in BC. However, they're in a really worse problem in Ontario. And, and that's, think about it. Uh, think about the fact that we have pipelines and people going to fucking work. And here they're, they're policing people on the streets. You know, C- construction sites still have guys all buddying up on, on areas working together. I don't see a mask on all of them. But they're more looking at the homeless. So I'm, I, we, I got concerned. So uh, the first thing I noticed that there, there wasn't any hand sanitizers and there was the crisis of not having enough for even frontline workers and nurses. So myself and other anarchists and activists and communists and Marxists and uh, as socialists, like people who care about community, uh, took precautions and went out and were able to source the things to, to get hand sanitizer made. And the Lived Experience Homelessness Network, which I'm a part of, um, we started putting notices out and getting support to help those folks who, uh, you know, almost like the abandoned. We have we had the Topaz Tent City sanctioned Tent City, right? However, there's so many police and bylaw, and, it, and it's getting it's getting its needs met. People, the community can still help. However, let's not forget about those who are not part of the sanctioned Tent City, who we see on Pandora. There's got to be at least 200 tents there now. There was 120-something last count. I'll give the exact count, actually, uh, from uh, one of the street nurses on uh, the uh, tents that are currently on uh, in the areas that are not sanctioned. Um, nice to hear the settler colony uh, bells ringing. Reminding us all we're in a settler colony. The church's bells are ringing. Okay. One of the things I'm asking community to do is just like, leave out free box stuff. Put a hand sanitizer beside it if you want. But just make sure you wash your hands and 
you know, let things sit somewhere for a few hours, a couple of days without you touching it and put it in the free box and put some hand sanitizer there. Um, put more things out for free. Go to where the homeless are outside and ask, just yell out from your cars. Anybody need a sleeping bag? Someone's probably going to yell out yes. And if you ask them to be respectful of 10 feet, all of them are. I've never had any problem going down here. Um, we've been going out and buying oranges. So people have been sending Leon, the Lived Experience Homelessness Network, money for oranges. And I go to Lifestyles Market and I get good organic oranges. And I go down there and I start asking, who wants an orange? And it's like people raise their hands or yell out me from the tents. And like the most hardcore who need love, that's all they need is love. And they begin to take care of each other even more. If I'm loved, I take care of others even more. Isn't that a weird thing? Hey, what a concept. The, the most radical thing we're doing is that we're worried pretty quickly about people going through withdrawal. So, you know, you people who are out here homeless in a settler colony trying to survive, some of them, a lot of them don't want welfare. They don't want, you know, that. However, they're hardcore outlaw and isolated. They need community during the pandemic. So uh, the great thing is that there's been enough lived experience and living homeless working together with allies to help get some of them beer. Every day we try and help get them beer at least two in the morning and two at night so that they don't have to go through any DTs or any bad withdrawal. We don't need the hospitals to be overrun with people going through withdrawal right now. So the police should back off. The police should back off and let people do this and they shouldn't have to worry. And we're being very careful with six feet and precautions. And everybody's really cool. And the more we take care of them, the more they take care of each other. You said there are like many, many responses by the, by the community, which is really cool to hear that there are so many people stepping up. But I mean, the flip side on that is also the, the state and the official institutions really fail in delivering the service also to those people that need them the most in the end. So can you tell a little bit about yeah, why it is so difficult for people on the street to, to access the public services? That is a really good question. Why is it difficult for the homeless to access services? I mean, you know, this is what I heard people in the downtown east side and other activists talk about how it's been a problem for years in our settler colony. It's systemic. We create poverty and then we socially stigmatize the poor and blame them. And we've been going through a, a growing neoliberal uh, socially stigmatizing kind of thing for 20 years. And suddenly the pandemic hits. So it could go one way or the other. It could go the way of ugly or it could go the way of people take care of each other. And I'm grateful that in Victoria there's enough people who've stepped up to, to, to say we're going to take care of each other. You know, like uh, people who are able to use the precautions and get on the street. Like Ben is it? the city councilor was there. Like, you know, day three when I was really worried, I, I just went out there. And there he was too. And there was Reverend Al too. Like I had a sense something was going on. And, and there was all the service providers were, you know, everybody was trying to figure out who's getting what contract. Where is this going to happen? Where's the money going? Like really, you got to understand on the one hand, yes, that has to happen. Just put the money where people are doing the, the care. It should be that simple. But no, we have to deal with bureaucracy and systemic issues like the bathroom issue. Days go, go by, no outhouses, no bathrooms, no showers outside for the people who are locked out. Like days went by. 
and they were saying, well, you know, the shower, when we had the bathrooms there at courthouse, there was one time there was a fight between one of the staff and one of the homeless, so we really don't want to put our bathrooms there. Like, that's disgusting. Well, we should have immediately phoned another company. But I guess the police and what they say is more important. And they go around, they repeat the worst propaganda against the homeless like you wouldn't believe. And they encourage, uh, you know, they, as soon as a tent city goes in, they go door to door. So uh, we're here, you know, there's a, uh, we're just here because we're here to support the community. We know there's a tent city and we're here to deal with the criminal activity. If there's anything you see that's happening that worries you, give us a call. Anything. Call us, call us, call us, call us. And all those calls become stats that become, we want more money, we want more money. And suddenly we got all these cops and all these bylaw. And we got ads on Facebook. Come and be a security. 20 bucks an hour. Now we're hiring. We'll teach you first aid. You can help our community. Well, you know what? You can help our community now. And why don't we hire community helpers? Why are we calling them security guards? Because we're, we're hiring security. And what do they do? They talk a lot to the cops. Well, there are a lot of good security guards, and I'm really grateful for them. Those who are community-based, you know, those who help people, those who are, uh, you know, compassionate. Um, so I'm encouraging more, uh, you know, poor and more people to go and apply. People, anarchists and activists and socialists and communists, go and apply for these freaking jobs so that we can be on the street helping at 20 bucks an hour. Like a lot of us aren't getting jobs. Anyways, they're hiring right now, by the way. But anyways, so seriously, I'm not kidding. Because uh, any, I know some of the uh, people, even a, a, an old church member of mine. Well, actually, a, a church member I know presently is security, and she's awesome. Uh, not a, a power over, not a dominant type, not aggressive, not mean. Very, very kind and, and just awesome that way. But anyways, so I'm really, believe it or not, I'm encouraging us to go and get those jobs. Because otherwise, the power trippers are going to get them, and we're in trouble. Because that's where we're at. I don't remember the question you asked. I hope I kind of answered. Yeah, the bureaucracy. So it's like, it's almost like you have the police running where things are going. So on the one hand, you have the health crisis. Yes, things had to get locked down. But why wasn't there automatically bathrooms put up? Why wasn't there automatically showers put up? Because they don't want the homeless there. Because businesses complain. And the police go around and encourage that. They do. That's the fact. And they do it like almost every day. They go to community centers, businesses, like all kinds of shit. Man, schools, universities, colleges, you know. You have a gay pride and you got to deal with them coming. We have to fight them not coming to gay pride. We don't want them at gay pride. Military and police. Well, military I can get. Like I do, I, I know it's another thing that people don't, they're kind of surprised about me. But I do, I've been saying this for a few years now that we need to go and speak to our military families and soldiers. Um, and always, and I've got them in my family and they've been in my community. But, you know, there are times you need soldiers. We don't need a police state ever. But right now we got a lot more police state. And where are our soldiers? <laughs> like, think about that. You know what I mean? They should be here at home helping take care of things. You know, communities that are uh, uh, needing stuff help get the soldiers there. You have a budget for that. Like, use it for good. Like we say, right? But no, we're seeing a police state. So it's been hard for people to access services. Uh, they got locked out. They didn't have bathrooms. So think of the health crisis, the people pissing and shitting because there's nowhere to go because our place couldn't let them in. There'd be a lineup constantly. And what about the nighttime? Topaz Park, they one night even closed the bathroom at 8.30 for ridiculous reasons. And then they used the excuse of safety and got the security. They hired security. 
So, and I already spoke about the whole, you know, how it could have gone and how it is going. So bureaucracy, um, and you seem to have two, two movements of energy. One is this amazing community-based, I think it's bigger, the mutual aid, community care. It just needs fanning a little bit. And you encourage people, follow precautions, wash your hands, mask up, get out there. <laughs> Say hello to people at 10 feet, right? Check in with each other. Leave shit outside more. I've been saying that about opportunistic crime. It's like, you know, you have a police state coming, then you're going to have more opportunistic crime because people are more desperate, walking around trying to hide out, hungry, no place to pee, you know, the doors are locked. If they miss the food lineup, think about all that, you know, and if you have pain, I do. I have a lifelong, I'm chronic, right? Um, and that's why I've been asking people put stuff out more. Like, as much as you can, there should be free piles everywhere for people. And lock your doors. You gotta lock the doors because of opportunistic crime. So it really sounds like when there's policing, when when people yeah are getting criminalized, it's for things they really yeah. don't have another choice. I mean, yeah. they are people. They they yeah. need to go somewhere to the washroom and things like yeah. that. So now again, so Ben is it was out there. We fought for bathrooms to go. Four porta potties were put up, but no service provider would vouch for them. No service provider would say, we will take care of them. That's what happened. And then they got too fucking messy. And in four days, they were taken away. And the city carpenters, bless them, built an amazing sink with hot water ability. And I think there's enough people who are going to help take care of that, but we could use help. Like literally, the community, if you really want to step up, you know, people who, who know about precautions and safety, go every day and help keep the sink clean. That's on Pandora. Bring a bucket, bring your gloves, bring your fucking whatever and help. Just help. And if you want, do the same with the bathrooms. Bring your bucket, bring your mask, bring your gloves and help. Because they're, they're not well. Most of the people there have a, a lot of needs. But if, if they are cared for, even the smallest, they take care of each other even more. How is it with like, access to healthcare? If someone needs to see a uh, doctor or if someone has an injury, are there any possibilities to receive health you, you have to pretty much be do-it-yourself right now because we don't want to overwhelm any emergency clinics. However, I, I also am seeing a lot of uh, homeless on Pandora who need to go to ER, but they're not going. What is ER? Emergency. Oh, yeah. You know, they need antibiotics, for example, but they're not going because they're being stubborn. So I'm worried a little bit about... Uh, You know, people, you know, kind of feeling, you know, maybe it's just giving up or something. So we can't. We should be out there. Hello. You're my friend, man. You're in the community. I know you are. Don't give up. Like, come on. You need antibiotics. <laughs> And if you if you want to go that way, then you, you need more people around you to help take care of you. So you're not alone, at least. So anyways, I went out and I did that with this one guy. And uh, he is getting taken care of. He's more on another corner now. And they're... It's more activity on that corner, so they're helping keep an eye on him more. So that's good, right? Like, you know, where he was before was more isolated, and now he's with people who are watching him now. If he chooses that he wants to die there, what if that's what he wants? Like, how disgusting for our, our, our settler colony that we have people who would feel that way. So it's like, you know, yeah, we do what we can to get out there with our community care and mutual aid and... And remember that everybody who's homeless with somebody's family or parent or mom or daughter, or, you know. Um, and a lot of housed people are using heroin. A lot of housed people are doing crap, you know, and everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were talking now a lot on, yeah, 
self-startup responses by the community but uh, do you also have any ideas what uh, could be done on the city level on the city uh, on the level of municipality maybe also just to support the community yeah. work or in other cities it has been started that like uh, people are housed in hostels for example yeah well i mean a good there's some good examples right away and i i totally understand that people some people are in uh, two-week isolation some of them have been put into even longer isolation for different reasons because of family and uh, th you know rules and regulations changing because of understanding of the how it spreads um, and I know like you know Sarah Potts helped a lot at the beginning to just really ir irritate and help get the word out because they were not well and at home and in isolation um, I, I, I know I, I'm not sure exactly what Lisa's been doing to be honest and I, so I can't really 100% criticize because I haven't been able to really keep up um, I, I really appreciate what Ben has been doing and so Ben is a city councillor um, he's been going out there you know keeping his hand on not just what's going on with the homeless like really keeping his hand on what's going on with the bigger picture and trying to really keep on top of it as best he can and he was right there when all that stuff was going on with you know uh, Royal Athletic Park was offered and then it was taken back because they would not allow it uh, because they're poor bashing that's the bottom line um, he tried to help with the bathrooms but the Greater Victoria Coalition and the service providers made their decisions to not support the bathrooms so it seems like City Council and Lisa Helps don't have a lot of power maybe and maybe Lisa Helps didn't give enough of her you know order to say hey you know um, someone's got to take care of those bathrooms so they took them away of course after four days and you and I were just out there, and I noticed that there's four more porta potties up. Um, hopefully, maybe they'll bring the shower. You know, like um, the amazing story about when you allow the people living it to work with other peers and allies who are caring to take care of a shower is that um, one of our brothers. I don't think he would mind me telling the story because I just love him. Um, he struggles, and it's. You know, pretty much his own person, bit of an outlaw, uh, has been diagnosed and labeled many things. He's very smart, and uh, at Kent City is where I got to know him better. But very much a loner and stuff, and has his peeps. But you know, you have to really build rapport with this guy. And uh, I'm I'm happy now. I have it with him, but it took time. But what was cool is his at Kent City, the peers, one of them especially Anna, helped him. Um, to be able to have his first shower without police and uh, service provider staff there uh, having to watch it and make sure everything goes okay. First time in years. And it took four hours <laughs> and the women gave up their shower, whole shower space for him to be able to go in there and do it. And it was just the most incredible experience for him, like what happened over the next two weeks after that, like to see how that, you know. So it, that's just one example. I'm not saying that works every time. It's just the care in the whole tent city. They all agreed to let that happen. And they, they, they shared the men's washroom, the men and women, for the four hours <laughs> while he did what he did. It was just a big ordeal, but it was so beautiful to see it happen. And that micro that could happen on a micro level with with the porta potties and the, and the and the showers outside right now like you know enable and empower people to take care of it themselves and they will we're not fucking stupid 
You know, most of us have had to do cleaning jobs for God's sake. <laughs> you know, but when we're treated a certain way, we're going to rebel and just kick it. <laughs> we were you already know? talking a little bit like um, about prejudices against people living on the streets. Um, like social stigma, you mean? Yeah, social, yeah, yeah. stigmatization. Yeah. And I still remember when the, the discussion came up in the city to open like parks, um, there were also people from the community then against it and worried about like it would become dirty or things like this. How would you respond to that? Well, I mean, it's sad because it's like fear. It's coming from a place of fear and divide. Um, and and I, I think it's in every settler colony because it's like the police state seem to fan the flames of fear. They seem to be out there every day. And I, and I didn't notice this until the last 10 years. I didn't know how much that they went to, to community and spoke with them and businesses and all that. Um, they've gone to, you go around Victoria and look at where there's the raw, it's like a black iron fencing that's been put up around certain businesses and churches. The police have been to all those businesses and churches and encouraged it. So what is that? Like, do they have uh, money in particular companies? Well, they certainly have a lot of buddies who are liberalized, you know, liberal, neoliberal, right? Uh, you were also talking about a system of help that you called the poverty industry. Oh, the poverty industry. Yeah, what 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 is that about? What do you mean by that? Well, it's it's like. Uh, think about all the money going to the Salvation Army and they've never helped stop poverty ever and they're getting a lot of money and they're they're a huge in, in, they're a huge something I don't even know what to call them organization um, and every like Portland Hotel Society starts out with a few people who have a great idea to be radical and take care of people and help end poverty a lot of them were activists and anarchists And now it's the poverty industry itself. It's not, it's, there's no, I don't, I, I, it's very rare, but I know them. And I know some of the Portland Hotel Society staff here who are anarchists. But it used to be most of them were radical activists. Most of them were anti-poverty. Most of them were, were anti-oppression. But nowadays, most of them are young, out of social work school, out of criminology. And they're talking to the police too much. They don't understand about how community uh, and professionals don't do that. We don't give information about our clients to the police. It's privacy is important in professionalism, <laughs> you know, and we follow that even in outreach, you know, it's important, you know, if people are okay with their names being used, then you ask, but uh, otherwise, no, but yeah, so it's like, that's, that's very uh, problematic in all the settler colonies, uh, poverty industry, poverty pimping, I worked in the field, so I know it's true. And it sucks to hear about it when you're working and you feel like you're a poverty pimp. You're like, I was like, I'm no poverty pimp. I was an awesome, radical, anti-poverty frontline worker. And the sad thing is I worked in poverty industry and I had to accept it. <laughs> and it's true, I did. And we have to accept it. You know, we fight against that all the time. You know, like we're not giving enough money to take care of people. We're, we, we, uh, we used to be able to work our shifts 12 hours even and on days off do activism but oftentimes people are completely burnt out because it's like on all many 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 levels the whole system was going to fall and now it's falling so what are we replacing it with community care mutual aid like you know small grassroots like that's what we got to do like honestly and, and it's the only way uh, 
is to end legislated poverty, right? So that we don't have the kind of situation that we have. Like, you know, a lot of people are saying just give everybody enough now and restart the economy in ways that are healthy that we know we need to. But look what's going on. Who is who is pushing for the man camps to still be built? Who's pushing for those guys to still go and build the pipeline? Who's pushing for RCM pigs, P, to go and harass indigenous in their own territory who don't want it? Not me. Not the, not any... I mean, you know what I mean? Who's doing that? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. We're supposed to be running the country as citizens. That's what I'm told. Democracy, blah, blah, blah. But it seems like the bureaucracy keeps people from the reality of just giving and sharing and doing it. So what's awesome is that people in the Kwanga and other areas, I'm hearing about it more and more. I'm seeing it and hearing about it on Twitter. They're just doing it. They're going out and they're helping. They're going out and helping. And we need more soldiers to step up. You know, healthy people. Not to be bullies, but to go up and step up and help people who are more vulnerable. Don't let them be picked on. It's not fucking cool. Like, it just isn't. And, I mean, I'm only... I'm 60 and I'm not exactly, you know, Mr. Tough. You know, but I'm out there having boundaries. It's important we can do it and encourage it with others. We just need more help, you know. And I'm really glad you're doing this interview. And I'm glad we're like more than six feet apart. We're like, you know, we're taking into account when, you know, when we're on our bike, we had our masks on. You know, when we go home, we got to be careful with our clothes. Like all that stuff. I really respect that, you know, like Sweden, we can learn the precautions and get the economy going back pretty quickly, like landscaping, gardening, all that stuff. I mean, look at all the gardening space. The city did do some cool stuff around that. They're, they're getting some gardening going. Um, ben is it is doing this thing with Red Cedar Cafe. Um, and they were like cooking food for people. And, and oh, the Red I, Cedar I, Cafe is like a volunteer-run yeah. cafe downtown. Yes. That's a really nice project, yeah. Exactly. And I would even go to them and talk to them. So I'm trying to get a hold of them now uh, to help because Lived Experience Homeless got offered uh, this woman. I don't want to give her name because I didn't ask, but she's awesome. A woman from Souk who's offered to cook. She cooks 300 meals a week and hands it out to different people in need. And she's doing about 150 for us for... Uh, for the those who are not, you know, uh, for the, the homeless who are out on their own, like by Pandora and Rock Bay, etc. Um, and I'm trying to get a hold of Red Cedar Cafe to see if they'll help, because I realize that uh, we might we might need a bit more help <laughs> with boxing it up and stuff like that, uh, because she's the cook and we can get it in bulk and heated and warmed right to their spot and cut up and separate it out and then we can deliver it uh, using precautions, blah blah blah, down in the spots. So is this cafe or restaurant also providing free food? Well, what's happening is it is free meals, pre-packaged and everything. And they, they organized something for the Easter weekend. And I, I got an email saying, hey, there's this thing. Do you want a meal? It's no cost. Um, you can choose the turkey one or the vegetarian one. And I was like, I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't realize because I've been busy with frontline stuff. I take care of myself. I'm not overdoing it. I have a disability. So I'm not, I'm, you know, people don't get the, don't get the, impression I'm out there all the time I go out for certain outings and then I go home I'm really much home most of the time um, but having said that for this thing we're following the precautions to, to, to serve it um, but it's a, it's a privilege that Leon got uh, uh, she came to us because of what we're doing in our work and the living and lived experienced homeless who are doing it that's what's cool 
and she loves how we are working with allies and how the allies are working with us so you know and I love that so I, I thought Red Cedar because they are doing that already that's their goal is to keep doing it so people donate money and others get to get it and and it might just be like I, I got a hold of one of the raging grannies who I you know she's awesome I won't mention which one because she's awesome um, and um, everybody is isolated so even the strongest can feel you know kind of like uh, a little bit of emotional mental health stuff right so I phoned them I said hey Ben's doing this with a bunch of socialists and communists all these young people are helping they're following precautions um, you know maybe go for one of the meals it's it's a reaching out to community it's a solidarity meal it wasn't just for poor but everybody and I love that too so and they did and they re really moved them well it made me cry after I got the email and I signed up for it I got all teary because I realized you know even I'm missing that kind of type of connection with people around food so it really is incredible and cool like what it did and we need that emotional connection and intimacy um, and they were awesome how they delivered people could pick it up um, you know you have to keep a distance you know they were keeping distance inside the people helping it was really awesome actually so I really encourage <clears throat> any support of that and city councillors across Canada can do that. And Ben is it's the one to get a hold of around it. And there's a bunch of other people I know who are involved, but I can't remember their names right now. I was also a bit wondering, like I guess it's often, it's very personal stories, but you were also saying that, yeah, or like the system, the way the economy works also produces poverty and also homelessness. And uh, we see it here, here in Victoria that the rent prices are increasing uh, constantly. And um, now since the COVID-19 crisis, there's a ban on eviction, but evictions that were like set up or like ordered before have still taken place and yeah. So I guess this is one reason. What are reasons why, yeah, why people fall out of the system and like end up in, in, on the street? That is a good thing to bring up because we are having an economic collapse. So why not uh, governments like uh, people who have had some amazing stuff in the past and potential, like Carol James, who's finance minister, who's not well herself. Um, why not go out in a good way and say... Uh, talk to John Horgan and make a unanimous rent control system in BC like there used to be in Alberta years ago and bring it all down to some reality. Everyone's going to have to take a hit. And not everyone's going to be happy with me saying this, I don't think. However, I feel like if you have the ability and you're doing okay, don't take shit from the government. If you're not, you don't need it, don't fucking take it. Jeepers, look at the need. It's just starting. And where do you think the money's going to come from? Right? You've got to think about that. This is how the government's going to be. Well, maybe we need to change it now. Maybe we need to start really thinking about that and ask the government now, whoa, let's bring that rent control in. Right? Whoa, let's start growing more food. Whoa, let's go green. We're fucking BC. We've been saying this forever. Let's do it. Right? Like, why not? Like, honestly, like we, if we're just doing rent strikes and mortgage freezes, we're just, we're just developing more crisis which fine that's what makes change well we're in the economic crisis we're in the the pre everything's falling so should we build this other one now what just as it's falling good idea i think you know what i mean rent controls bring it back down to reality um i like that carol james and others 
gay people with disability and on welfare I believe everybody on welfare gets $300 extra the next three months so you were already actually man mentioning um, quite a lot of like possibilities to help and get involved but maybe just to wrap up maybe can you summarize a few things that people can do that maybe not previously don't have such a big connection to the homeless community just people that might listen to this podcast and saying hey i'm not really sure what to do what is a easy way to step up and to do something good question um reach out to your community just go out for walks and look around your community more build those relationships with the people around you um where is the interest um, you know, like that kind of stuff, like follow your interest. And if you're totally isolated, that's the best way to start because there's a whole lot of other people who are totally isolated. So you're not alone. <laughs> um, and that's really important to know. And ever, there's a lot of people who are scared. Um, people need to have an end goal. They need to have some kind of goal, you know, and that's why the mutual aid movement, uh, the community care movement, it is grassroots based. Do it yourself. So it's like, just, you know, take care, um, put stuff out help if you have the finances you can help finance those who are direct giving uh, don't give to the service providers I'm sorry give to the living and lived experience who are out there doing it um, AVI give to them of course give to Solid of course it's just you know those are service providers that are those lived experience are on the ground their lived experience are on the ground and iHeart uh, Indigenous uh, Harm Reduction Group it's really important that I'm putting them at the top of the list actually Uh, for any financial support because we're, we're doing the alcohol maintenance um, and the hardcore front line there which is where, where I am um, and, and the Leon lived experience homelessness network we're, we're helping the homeless down there we're also helping housed uh, some people don't have cars um, uh, they aren't able to get out at all so they order food from places and I'll pick it up for them um, they need uh, hand sanitizers like I said Will, will help so you might know people who are uh, able-bodied and active and can get around those people can offer to help and get on our our list of people to help bring things to people um, when you start hearing of people who are sick bring them love bring them uh, power aid oranges is a for some reason everyone's loving them even me right now um, we got to praise those oranges I'll tell you <laughs> uh, hope hope it's a good crop this year um, I don't know if there's anything else I've left out that that we talked about that's kind of important in the wrap-up. Uh, don't don't allow the police state to give you a false illusion of safety. You know, the, the community working together in community care and mutual aid, that is the best safe to be. That's You know, that's the best safe to be. Everybody gets to get some love. You know, try not to socially stigmatize people. And be smart, you know. Leave out free boxes and lock your doors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Care for people, but be smart. Anyways, yeah. And if you're a martial artist type person and you, you have that kind of security in your life, come and help on the front line. Like we could use you for help to de help defend vulnerable people from bullies. Anyways, that's it. Thank you so much. This is awesome. CFUV 101.9 FM broadcasts from the Songhees and Wasanich territories, also known as Victoria, BC. You can listen to our music, spoken word, and multicultural programs anywhere, anytime at CFUV.ca.
radio. We got this, you guys. Physical. And the more we right. do it, you know, the more we scum shot. Get it. I hear you, sister. There you go. Oh, baby.
Sunday. I hate it. Let's check Facebook. Ugh, Facebook. What is this? Food not bombs? Cook yummy food? Meet cool people. Stop food waste. No experience necessary. Not Bombs is serving free meals to everyone. Sundays, 4 p.m. at Centennial Square on unceded Lekwungen territory. Come eat with us, drop off food, or support our kitchen. We are looking for volunteers to help chopping, cooking, and serving food, or to help with computer tasks. Check Food Not Bombs Victoria on Facebook to find out where we cook. For inquiries about volunteering and to join our listserv, Please mail to vicfnb at lists.resist.ca or check out our Facebook page, Food Not Bombs Victoria. Food Not Bombs, free meals every Sunday at 4 p.m. at Centennial Square on unceded Lekwungen territory. Free the food!
wise means. Who wants money? Okay, guys, I can't do that. I can't remember my name. Wait a minute. No. <laughs> hey, guys, can we start over again, please? I'm sorry, Murray. Can we start over again? Okay. I'm gonna go to more time when I feel like. Right. I lost my dog in World War Three. His name was same as me. But what's my name? And who am I? Don't tell the truth. Make up a lie. What well, happened once? Long, and nobody knows what went wrong. Are you unaware or unprepared? Oh, maybe it's both. Maybe you're scared. Cause it happened once. Oh, and it lasted long. Nobody knows.
20 minutes later my plane crashed down Three of us left me and I preached in a clown First thing I heard was I hiss of a track Why the hell not? And I hopped on back I'll take this old train to get you Shoes to get you, and I'll take these old shoes.